All right, this is October. How many of you folk believe that? And it's a big month around Joshua Baptist Church. We have a rodeo. We have a roundup day. Uh, we have uh, breakfast on the grounds and breakfast all around. And then we have uh, work days and everything else in the world. And I want to talk to you tonight out of the book of 1 Kings. Look in your Bible, if you would please, verse number 16 of 1 Kings 15. Years and years ago, I caught a phrase in reading through my Bible. And I caught a phrase over in this chapter. And I began to work and uh, think and pray. And, and uh, tonight I want to try to develop a thought if it would be all right. Notice if you would please in verse 16. I'm trying to see if we can work something out of that deal, J.T. Somehow or another. Uh, well, I see Israel up there. Does any of you see Israel? Well, that's good. That's the only thing I see up there, maybe that I recognize. Maybe Jerusalem's up there. The salt sea, that's a dead sea. I can identify with that dead business. All right, JT, I'm sorry, buddy. I, we, I blew it. Thank you very much. Take that off there so folks will be trying to figure it out all night. Verse 16, and there was war between Asa and Bahasha, king of Israel, all their days. At Solomon's demise, the once united kingdom of Israel was divided. To the north, we had uh, the capital of Samaria, the ten tribes of the north. To the south, we had two tribes, and Judah, and Jerusalem was the capital of Judah. In the Bible, it's referred to as Judah and Israel. Here we see Bahasha, king of Israel, Asa, the king of Judah. Asa being in Samaria and Asa in Jerusalem. Okay? Now the Bible says that there were war between these two kings all the days of their life. What we have here is a family feud. A bunch of Jews fighting against a bunch of Jews. And they fought and they fought and they fought until God had to intervene. Now watch what happens. And Bahasha, king of Israel, went up against Judah. Now if you look anywhere in the Bible maps, you'll notice that Judah is south of Israel. Have you ever heard of anyone going down north? No. It's up north, out west, back east, and down south. But in biblical terms, anytime anybody went to Jerusalem, it was always up. Anytime you go to the city of God, the house of God, or God himself, you're always going up, regardless of which direction you may come from. So Bahasha 
king of Israel is going up and attempting to fortify against Asa and Jerusalem. Watch this. And Bahasha, king of Judah, a king of Israel, went up against Judah and built Ramah that he might not suffer any to go out or to come in to Asa, king of Judah. And so the king of Israel is now building a fortified city to hinder any kind of communication in and out of Jerusalem. That is a military tactic that is superior to most. Asa is within the walls of Jerusalem. One way in, one way out. So Bahasha decides the best way to win this war without ever firing a shot is to build a city at the entrance of Jerusalem, hindering, stopping, and absolutely stopping any kind of communication in or out of the city. You read in your Bible many, many times about the children inside of Jerusalem during the besiege of of the Romans, how that the people inside the city of Jerusalem actually ate their own children because there was no supplies in or out, no water in and out, no arms in and out, no food in and out. And so here sets King Asa and the southern kingdom looking over the walls, watching as Bahasha and his crowd builds a city, builds a fortification to absolutely forbid any kind of supplies to come in and out. You might say his nose is in a crack. I'm seeing right now I'm impressing you. The Bible says, 18, verse 18, Then Asa took all the silver and the gold that were left in the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures in the king's house and delivered them into the hand of his servants. And King Asa sent them to Ben-Hadad, the son of Tamaron, the son of Hezion, king of Syria that dwelt in Damascus, saying, now Damascus is way north up in Syria. Samaria is between him and Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is the city that is being besieged. So King Asa gets the idea that if he can take enough gold and silver to King Ben-Hadad, he will come and fight against Israel while Bahasha is fighting against Jerusalem. So he sends them up. And he delivered them into his hands of his servant, and King Asa sent to Ben-Hadad. Now verse 19 says, And there's a league between me and thee, and between my father and thy father. Behold, I have sent unto thee a present of silver and gold. Come, break thy league with Bahasha, king of Israel, that he may depart from me. So Ben-Hadad hearkened unto King Asa and sent the captains of his host 
which he had against the cities of Israel, and smote Ijon, Dan, Abelthnachar, and all of Chinnereth, and all the land of Nephali. So while Bahasha is building Ramah, Ben-Hadad begins to fight against the cities in Israel. News comes to his ear that Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, is fighting against the cities in Israel, the Bible says, so Ben-Hadad hearkened to King Asa. And verse 21, and it came to pass when Bahasha heard thereof, he left off building of Ramah and dwelt in Terzat, 50 or 60 miles north of where Ramah, now just imagine, as Asa and all the people in Jerusalem look over the walls and see them building this fortification, all the timber, all the stones, all the mortar, everything to build the city is laying there. And all of a sudden, Bahasha decides he better go back and take care of his own place. And he left all of those supplies, all of those building supplies, what looked like total defeat, now might turn in the real victory. There all of those supplies lay. They're looking over the walls. So what happens? We'll read on. And the Bible says, And King Asa made a proclamation throughout all Judah. Would you underline these next three words? None were exempt. Have you ever seen those words before? None were exempted. The emphasis is on the proclamation and on the proclaimer. The king gave the order. Now I want everybody inside of this wall to go grab a brick and grab a two-by-four, and grab a sack of mortar, but you don't understand, King, I'm old. Shut your mouth, go grab something. You don't understand, I work overtime. Shut your mouth, none are exempted, go grab something. What silly excuse are you using to exempt yourself from grabbing something, from turning defeat, absolutely destruction, from turning absolute defeat into victory, depending on everybody grabbing something and running. None, are you listening? None were exempted. Well, you don't understand, preacher. I can't pick up much. Pick up what you can. See, I can't sing very good. In the choir, nobody can tell. You just blend in. Well, preacher, I don't know what I can do. You can visit for a bus. You can help clean a toilet. 
You can help clean a yard. You can help Sean with a weed eater. You can, there is just something everybody can do if we want victory at Joshua Baptist Church. Can you say amen? The emphasis is on the proclamation. The emphasis is on the command. The emphasis is on going, doing what you can. You say, well, I'm old and retired. Good. You can be a full-time servant for Jesus. That's the best time to serve the Lord is when you got time to do it. Can you say it? Amen. And so look, if you would, please. It's seemingly defeat on Asa's side, but that military tactic of of fighting against the cities behind Bahasha, it brought to mind, I don't want to lose what I got, so I'm going to go back and protect what I got. And he pulled off and left everything there. I jotted down something years ago, and I, I believe it with all my heart. There's victory in unified participation. I watched two or three ball games in between my prayer time today. Or I might have prayed in between the ball games. I have no idea which one it was. But it's wonderful to watch teamwork. It's wonderful to watch People perform that which God has gifted them to do. Those guys on the bench, I don't even know who they are. You know what's wrong with Baptist churches? Too many is riding the pine. Too many of them just want a uniform so they can walk around with a uniform and says their name printed on the back. Do you know I'm reminded about over at Ezra? Have you read the book of Ezra? You know the Bible said in the book of Ezra there's 49,987 Jews left Babylon for a four-month journey across the Arabian desert. 49,987. How do you know that? I counted them. 49,987 Jews left left Babylon going that long journey across the Arabian Desert, four months across the Arabian Desert. And you know what the Bible says about that crowd? That 49,987 Jews gathered themselves in Jerusalem like one man. Ezra chapter 3. You want to know why the walls were built? You want to know why that foundation was laid? You want to know why the temple was built? You want to know why it all took place and all was successful? Because 49,987 folk didn't have their own agenda. They had God's agenda, and they were willing to work together to accomplish the task of God. Oh, how we need that in our Baptist church across the land. Amen. We don't need everybody pulling in every direction. Acts 2 and verse number 1 says, And they were all with one accord in what? One place. But wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't it be something if everybody quit exempted themselves except for what they want to do instead of doing what God wants and needs done? Wouldn't that be something? Yeah. Hey, there must be an analogy now between this king who made a proclamation 
There must be an analogy of this king and another king I read about in this book. His name is Jesus. Could I please talk to you just a minute about his proclamation? The Bible said, And all authority or all power is given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son of the Holy Ghost. And lo, I'll be with you always, even until the end of the age. You know who our king gave that command to? Every one of us. He said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know who he gave that command to? Every one of us. Now, you can look up. It's not time to pray yet. Acts 1 and 8, But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. You know who are to be witnesses? Everybody who's been born again. You know who's to go into all the world? Everybody that's been born again. You know who to preach the gospel to every creature? Everybody that has been born again. Have you been born again? Well, I know you've got excuse after excuse after excuse, but I think Asa said, we're not taking any excuses. And why should Jesus take one? The Bible is very plain. Listen to me, if you would please. John 20 and verse 21. As my Father has sent me, even so send I. Do you know what the rest of that verse is? Are you a you? Do you know a you? Are you an obedient you? Or an exempted you? Is everybody supposed to be a you except you? Or are you a you that needs to be going just like he said you should? I'm just, uh, uh, well, I know you're not used to me preaching on Sunday night. I know you have to get used to it. Matthew 21, 28. Son, go work in my vineyard today. That's a verse in the Bible. Did you know that? Did you know that the Bible said we are all laborers together with God? Did you know that the Bible said you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord? Hey, would you quit exempting yourself? Would you be obedient to your king and grab something and run with it? You say, well, preacher, our church is big enough now. They don't need me. Then what are you doing here? Why did God send you here? To hitchhike? Or be a blessing? To be blessed or be a blessing? Can you say amen? Notice something about this proclamation. He said, none were exempted. How many believe that? None were exempted. If your life depended on it, do you think you could grab a brick and run? Maybe if your family's future depended on it, do you think maybe you could grab a brick and run with it? Do you think maybe you'd have time to get a little hold of a brick and run with it? Do you think maybe you could cut in on your busy schedule just to maybe show God that you're as interested in what He's doing? Notice, if you would please, this proclamation is an unbending proclamation. Unbending. Unbending. We kind of like bending the will of God to suit us, do we not? It is an unbending proclamation. Verse 22, look in your Bible. What does it say? 
unbending. None was what? Exempted. Time is of the essence. Asa said, guys, Bahasha will be right back. He's not going to stay gone all day long. If you're going to do something, let's do it now. Time was of the essence. I don't know about you, but I think, bless your heart, that this proclamation is mandatory and not optional. Years ago when I got saved, my preacher told me, and I think I've told you this before, and I think one of the most hurting things I ever had say to me was said to me by my preacher out soul winning one night, and he dropped me off at my house, and before I got out of the car, he looked at me straight in the eye. I'd been saved about two weeks. I didn't know anything. And he looked at me and said, Gene, if you don't become a soul winner, you won't be worth a dime to God. What he's saying was, grab a brick. Grab a twofold. Do what you can do. Do it while you can do it. And do it as fast and as, and, as, and as zealous as you can do it. You see, this command of the Lord Jesus in to go into all the world is mandatory, not optional. It's fundamental, not secondary. It's essential, not superfluous. It is providential and not who, not human. Go ye, the Bible says. Go ye. Are you a ye? Who is a ye? Could it be me? And if me, it must be that I'm a ye. So, would you say that you're a ye? Then why ain't you going? You got chrome toenails, I bet. Or maybe a gold belly button. That makes you special. That exempts you. From the go ye. Amen. <laughs> Read a story one time. Might have told you this. I need to do something funny because it's kind of going over like clabbered milk. Huh? I can hear you right now. Come on, Andrew, get better. <laughs> See, I don't like the old man preaching Sunday night. I read a story about a preacher who was out visiting. And I think if a preacher don't visit, he ain't worth his salt. He needs to be shot. He was out visiting. He visited this lady. And this lady was such a kind, gracious lady. And when he walked in the house, uh, he, he, he noticed something that very, very unusual. He did. He noticed something very unusual. When he walked in, he noticed that in the door, the front door, there were two escape hatches. Animal doors. You know, what do they call them? Poodle letter outers. What? Doggy doors. Doggy doors. Okay. So there was two doggy doors in the door. And he visited with a lady for a while and they jawed the fat and all that stuff and had a good time. And he was going to leave. And just before he left, he, he said, Ma'am, before I leave, could I please ask you a personal question? Please. I, I am so concerned about it. And uh, she said, Why, sure. He said, ma'am, why do you have two, what kind of doors are they? Doggy doors in your front door. She said, preacher, 
because I got two cats. And the preacher said, well, can't two cats go out the same door? She said, no, sir, not my cats. Because when I say, stop, I mean right now. <laughs> 2,000 years ago, your king and my king said, scat. Well, what are you doing hanging around the couch? What are you doing hanging around the TV and making excuses, bless God? What are you doing making excuses? Hey, none, none are exempted. We're all to go. And we could do it right away. It's an unbending proclamation. Not only is it an unbending proclamation, may I say to you, uh, it's something else. I just blew my iPad plumb out. God bless my heart. I'm going to have to delete, delete, delete. It is uh, delete. How do you spell delete? Scat? <laughs> is anybody here tonight? It is an urgent not only an unbending, but an urgent proclamation. Jesus said to his disciples, Say not ye, there remaineth four months, then cometh the harvest. I say unto you, lift your eyes and look unto the fields, for they're white already unto harvest. I don't know if you know it or not, but little boys and girls are growing up. I don't know if you know it or not, but families in our church tonight needs help right now. The world allures everybody you can imagine right now. Souls are lost right now. Hell awaits right now. Don't you think, bless God, you're needed to go now. We all need to go now. Not next week. Not when you feel like it. Not when you get your crops laid by. And not when you get retired. Now. He said, go now. Because it's urgent. It's urgent. You say, you're going to have a heart attack. I know it right now. And you look around. And look at our nation. And look at our city. And look at our homes. And look at our kids. It's either now or never. Now, or never. You say, preacher, we, we've got enough money to pay the bills, and, and we just need to slow down a little. I like that motto in that black church down south. It says, we must wake up, sing up, pray up, stay up, pay up, and never give up until the cause of Christ has filled the city in which we live. It's urgent. It's unbending. Dad was at home and a bunch of kids were over. I like, when I had kids, I like for kids to come over at my house and play at our place. That way I knew what they were doing. So a bunch of kids gathered around the front door one day. Told dad, dad, that we're going to be kind of noisy out here. We're going to play war. The dad went in the house and watching television. And after a while he said, well, I'll swear, that's the quietest war I've ever heard. Nothing, no sound, no nothing. 
He went out and all the boys were sitting on the front porch. And he said, hey, I thought you boys were praying war, playing war. He said, we are, Daddy. He said, why ain't there no noise? He said, because we're all generals. <laughs> the proclamation, the Great Commission is an unbending Urgent commission church, oh dear Lord, we need to wake up. We need to pray up. We need to stay up. And we must never, never give up until the last soul in this city, in this county, has heard the good news that Jesus saves. Yes, he does, Jesus saves. And lastly, it's a universal proclamation. None was exempted. Everyone was included. Young and old, men and women, rich and poor, kids and grandparents. Asa said, if we don't move the supplies immediately, destruction is imminent. No discussion was needed. No excuses were accepted. Victory demanded involvement, and involvement resulted in victory. And you look down there in a verse, and you'll find, and they took away the stones. And they took away the stones. And they took, they, not Asa, not Asa's cabinet, not the staff, and not the extended staff, they took away the stone. I don't care if you even agree with it. Would you say amen? What seemingly was defeat has now turned to victory. This church, without what I'm speaking on tonight, will become a spiritual graveyard. If you're the best soul winner and the best testimony that our Lord has here, are we in trouble? If everybody came up with the same excuse you come up with for not going soul winning and visiting, and caring, if everybody come up with the same excuse you've come up with, this place will be stacking hay in it in just a short time. None. Are you listening? None was exempted. 
Our king says, go ye. Urgent. Go ye. You say, well, I'm studying my Bible. Well, it ain't working. Go ye into all the world. Preach the gospel. It's a universal proclamation, an urgent proclamation, and an unbending proclamation. As long as I'm alive, it will be an urgent proclamation. As long as I can preach and as long as I can breathe, it'll be an unbending, universal, urgent proclamation. You know the difference in this church and the churches that are dying on the vine? New blood. Troubled waters. My first church was a fist fight. I'm talking about a fist fight. They were trying to get rid of me and I refused to leave because to work I will not and to beg I'm ashamed. That's a verse in the Bible if you don't know that. We don't have time argue about what color we're going to paint the nail in the primary department. We don't have time to discuss with the phone hanging committee where we're going to hang the next telephone. What I'm talking to you about today is the lifeline of this church. It's the only Proclamation our Lord left with us. Go ye. Ye go. Now. Say, preacher, did you know that Henry Ford must have known a little bit about success? He made this statement. He said, coming together is a beginning. Keeping together is progress. Thinking together is unity. And working together is success. The thing that sets all of this church right here apart from all the rest I've been in is participation. People who's willing to grab a rock to grab a stone, to grab a two-by-four and move it for the glory of God. I love seeing the youth in a choir. I love seeing the old ones in the choir. Don't it look good when the choir's full? That, that sets the whole tempo for the service. It's when the choir is full. Participation is the key to success. When I was just a young'un, that's been a while ago. It was a railroad track right through the little country town that I lived in. 
That's how the farmers got their fertilizer and their seed. How many of you saw where the red fern grows? Any of you see that? First pup I ever bought came on a railroad car in a wood frame like that. Wasn't red bone, but it was still a pup. The railroad used to come right through town. Every once in a while, we kids would go down and walk the rails. Did you ever walk the rails on a, on a railroad? See, that's before they had PlayStation. Dear Lord, wouldn't we have had a ball if we didn't have to be creative in the toys we used to have? I'll preach you my sermon one day entitled One Red Corn Cob and Three Chicken Feathers. <laughs> Bicycle? Well, I had one, but didn't have a chain on it. That's the one I learned to ride in. My cousin took me to the top of the hill, put me on the bicycle, turned it loose toward my daddy's beehives. I did wipe all them beehives out on my way to the toilet right by them. We used to walk the rails. We'd get on those rails and we'd hold our arms out and we'd walk and we'd stumble and we'd fall. One little boy, perceptive and very smart, said, I can show you how to walk as far as you want to walk. Never fall off. Well, that's stupid. We've done war out of rail, falling back and forth. He said, no, no. I can show you how you can walk as far as you want to walk. Never fall off. And the little boy said, how? He said, you get on that rail, and I'll get on this rail. We'll hold one another's hand. And we'll study each other, and we'll walk as far as you want to walk. You know what we need at Joshua Baptist Church? Is somebody else to take a hold of somebody else's hand and encourage them and pray for them and cry with them and love them, and we'll be able to walk. We'll be able to carry away the junk that looks like was going to be defeat and turn what defeat looked like into total victory as we all work together and not exempt ourselves but do what God has gifted us to do until Jesus comes. And all of God's people said, Amen. kick off time. Oh, I'm an eight o'clock brother. My wife is safe. She's taping her baseball game. Aren't you, wife? And our hope is in our powerful pitcher whose fastball is 85 miles an hour. And all of God's people said, Amen. Now, some of you folks look older than the rest of you. Have you ever noticed that? I think I look young for 90. I really do. <laughs> Let me sign his check this week. He needs, he, needs, he needs to be reminded whose name is on the check. Don't put that stamp on it. Let me sign it. I want to sign it in red this week. Put a red ribbon around his check, would you? 
When I was a kid, now I'm done. I'm honest, I'm done. When I was a kid, we used to have what's known as dog jockeys and horse trainers. What they were were they frontier car salesmen. And horse traders and dog jockeys were the slickies of the slick. You've never been taken to lunch by a dog jockey. I mean, this dog can walk on water until you got it. <laughs> this horse is a five-gated saddle horse until you own it. Kind of like Brother Bobby Isbell that time. He bought that mule that was doped up on ace. And he was just as calm as you could imagine till we got him out of the trailer over at my house. And then he come thundering out of that trailer like black beauty. <laughs> well, he traded me that mule for a dog and I did get stuck. But back in the young older days, and I love to watch these old movies of old days, have you ever heard of circuit riding preachers? Circuit riding preachers are, the, are the, the evangelists of the frontier. They were Methodist preachers who would take their horse, their saddlebag, their Bible, one change of clothes maybe, putting the saddlebag and across the western United States they went to Indian tribes, to villages, and with nothing, no support whatsoever, just a love for God and a love for souls, they evangelized the West in their day. I can imagine if I were out in the West and out in the wild with nothing but my horse, just me and the horse, I can imagine how attached you might become with the animal because he's the only one you could talk to. And thank God he couldn't talk back. He agreed with everything you said. You could look at your horse and say, you're ugly, and the horse, no response. Try that with your wife. You will get a response. but you can get attached to an animal. Can anybody say, man, who's got a little doggy around the house about this law? That is your child. That is your baby. I know that. And you can get attached to animals. Circuit riding preacher had got attached to his animal. And by some unknown reason, the horse died. Without a horse, a circuit riding preacher is just a preacher. He can't circuit or ride. And so it came to the ear of the local horse trader that the preacher had lost his horse. And the preacher was at home moaning his lost, mourning like no one else, and he heard a knock on the door. And the preacher went to the door heartbroken and standing at the door was the local horse trader. And the horse trader said to the preacher, preacher, I hear that you lost your steed, your friend. 
the horse your companion. And the preacher hung his head a little bit and said, yes, sir, I did. My horse died. And the horse trader said to the preacher, preacher, I have great news for you. Would you please look out past my shoulder and look at that bay horse tied to your hitch rail? Preacher, that horse, I truly believe, was ordained before the foundation of the world to become your horse. Preacher said, well, I don't know what to say. Why don't you tell me about that horse out there by the hitch rail? And uh, the horse trader said, Preacher, that horse out there on the hitch rail in front of your house is a five-gated saddle horse. You can get on that horse and he'll start walking and you hit him on the withers, he'll change gait four times. You're impressed. You know what that is, right? Preacher, not only is that horse a five-gated saddle horse, he will work. You can take the saddle off, you can put a harness on him, and you can work that horse all day long in your field. He will work in the furrow or out of the furrow. He will work on either side of the tongue. You can put it to a wagon and he will pull on the left side or the right side. That horse, preacher, is one of the best horses I've ever seen. He's a five-gated saddle horse. He's a work horse and he will work until the sun goes down. And all of a sudden the preacher just broke out in tears. Just weep. And the horse trader said, Preacher, what's wrong? Preacher said, I got some bad news. I don't have enough money to buy the horse, but I'd certainly like to have him for a church member. <laughs> hey, Lord, how'd you like to have a Christian that work on either side of the tongue when he raps about it? Lord, how would you like to have a Christian who quit making excuses about how hot the sun is and see souls dying and going to hell? Preacher, how would you like to have a Christian that would say, I may not be the best worker in the world and I may not be the best bus captain in the world and I may not be the best driver in the world, but Lord, if you'll just give me a shot at it, I'll do it for the glory of God. None. None. We're exempt. 